Introducing Bluehost Cloud, ultra-fast WordPress hosting with 100% uptime. Want a website with unmatched power, speed, and control? Of course you do. And now you can have all three with Bluehost Cloud, the new web hosting plan from Bluehost. With 100% uptime and incredibly speedy load times, your WordPress websites will be dependable and lightning fast on a global scale. Plus, your sites can handle even the biggest traffic spikes without going down or lagging. And with Bluehost Cloud, you get 24-7 WordPress priority support, meaning you're connected to WordPress experts anytime you need them. Not to mention, you automatically get daily backups and world-class security. So, what are you waiting for? Get Bluehost Cloud today by visiting bluehost.com. That's bluehost.com. What's up, everyone? And welcome to another special episode of IndiePod, where we get to talk to the people behind some of our favorite indie games. Today, we have Chandler Tomlinson, the developer behind the upcoming title known as Circuits and Shields. Thanks for joining. Yeah, thanks for thanks for having me on here, Josh. No problem. I'm glad you were able to join because I actually have a history with a number of MOBAs, at least back in the day. I don't play them as much now, but I do love seeing new ones try and spice things up. But that being said, before we get into the game, let's get to know the minds behind the operation. Chandler, why don't you tell me a little bit about yourself and how you got into games in the first place? Yeah, so it's been uh, quite the adventure getting into games for me. Um, kind of grew up playing uh, all sorts of games and, and always found myself saying, hey, you know, I, I think I could do a better job of this. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> that led to, you know, the, the every kid's dream of, yeah, okay, I'm going to be, you know, this big time game designer when I grow up. Um, and I went to uh, SMU in Dallas, which is kind of notorious for this uh, guild hall program, which uh, is game specific programming. Um, that mm-hmm. was my plan. Uh, really thought that was going to be it. Um, got to college, freshman year, took my first programming class and said, hey, you know what? Maybe not. Maybe this isn't exactly what I wanted to do. Okay. Um, Game development is not all glitz and glamour. (laughs) You actually have to know how to do it. Um, So kind of put that on the back burner, but always kind of had this uh, underlying desire. There's like a ton of forum posts of me out as a kid saying uh, like, hey, I've got this great idea. You know, come work for me for free. We'll make this game. (laughs) Uh And uh, nothing ever really panned out. But uh, finally... Uh, I don't know, about two, three years after I graduated, was kind of in a situation where I had some time, had a little bit of extra money and said, okay, it's time to do this for real. Um, and kind of got into uh, Circuits and Shields and it, it, it didn't even start out as a MOBA, but um, I was playing a lot of League of Legends at the time. And I said, hey, you know what? There's a lot of things in League of Legends that I think could be way better. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's just kind of how we got started. It, it just, um, it, it was just time to actually do it. Um, and I didn't necessarily have any skills, so it was more having the resources to be able to, you know, find people to do those things. Right, right. That makes sense. So uh, you mentioned that Circuits and Shield wasn't originally supposed to be a MOBA. What exactly did you have envisioned that kind of spawned into this? Yeah, so I originally started out, my favorite game of all time is Diablo 2. Nice. Um, yeah. And so, yeah, I think a lot of people might be in that boat. We're going through the hardcore nostalgia right now with Resurrection and everything. Right. Um, and I really, really wanted to do kind of a, a, a something... A, something along those lines. Um, and Path of Exile was starting to get big at the time. And I said, man, I can do better than Path of Exile too. Um, and I was also playing, it sounds really weird, but a lot of Dynasty Warriors at the time. Okay. Um, and so I just had this kind of plan to kind of mix those two a little um, and kind of, you know, turn Diablo 2 into like this WASD movement, kind of active combo mm-hmm. gameplay. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. 
Um, but as I got more and more into it, uh, I kind of said like, wait a second, how do I monetize this? Um, mm. The idea of like static game sales, you know, nowadays 20, 30 bucks is really low. Um, and the idea of, you know, being able to open up early access and beta and things like that just didn't really line up with, you know, how long will it take me to make money on this? Right. Um, and so MOBA kind of just came to mind. It's like, wait a second, you know, I play a ton of league. This is something that I can create, you know, a few champions for a single map, which is, you know, a huge money saving there. Um, we'll get this out in a year or two, um, you know, a playable version. We'll launch Kickstarter, see if it works. And then cool. If not, you know, I'm out of year in my life. Not a big deal. Um, right. That was about five years ago. <laughs> yeah, that's what I was just about to say. I was like, uh, looking over this, you already have a bit more than that, and it's it's been a been a little bit more than a year. So, so what kept you around then? What you know, if you had this big idea of, well, if it's not lucrative right away, I'll just jump ship. What kept you in this realm? <laughs> Investment, I think, yeah. is, is probably the biggest thing. Um, yeah, I think you know we got like a year, year and a half in, and I I remember thinking back then like, cool, we're close to Kickstarter. Like, I, mm -hmm. I feel good about this. Um, and then minor things would happen. We, we never really got, like, a steady play test. Um, I never really enjoyed playing the game, which is probably, you know, sign number one if the creator of it doesn't enjoy it. That's probably right. a bad sign. Um, and so uh, I, I kind of describe our journey so far as this journey of we've always been so close to hmm. getting it right. Um, and we've just been through a million different iterations. If you kind of look at, like, our main map, um, how that's translated over the course of five years from this absolutely disgusting, ugly mess that <laughs> at the time I thought was like the most beautiful thing I'd ever seen because I paid for it. Right. Um, I used to think that it was just the most amazing thing in the world. And now I look at it and I'm like, wow, I can't believe we've come from that. So um, it, I keep saying we're so close, but I, I think nowadays we actually are really close. Um, I'm actually having a ton of fun playing the game. Um, and just kind of that carrot on a stick in front of us the whole time is what's really kept me going of it's too late to turn back now. And I legitimately think we have something here that could be fun and, and successful in the long run. That's awesome. Well, I, I, I know there's always, I, I feel like this is also a, a tough one too, because a MOBA seems like something that is a very much, much more iterative yeah. type of game that doesn't really have that end in mind that you have with something like a you know more of a narrative structure right you have a start and a finish of a game and you're like okay we've told the story that we wanted to tell but with this it's more of you could always add something new you could add a new character you could add a different map you could have a different mechanic you could have different armor or item sets or whatever it might be so it does become a, a bit of a challenge what what for you really is that you know you're defining that oh we it feels so close right what is that that obtainable goal for you at this point where you're saying it'll finally be ready when x happens yeah that's a that's a really really good question um and it's a question i kind of ask myself every night in the shower <laughs> like, <laughs> what is this going to happen um right. no, i mean it's a really really good question um and, and you're totally right about it being iterative and that's kind of why we leaned on a moba at first because it's like look all, all we need to do is roll out like five champions right. show that we have good ideas show that the gameplay is really solid and and we'll be done um we'll be able to launch kickstarter and feel great about it so um Kind of what's holding us, I'll look at it from the perspective of what is holding us back from launching Kickstarter right now. Mm -hmm. um, and there's really two things. Uh, we have alpha tests every weekend, every Saturday. 
Um, and for our guys that really stick around and play a lot, um, it's like a ton of fun. Like we, we legitimately enjoy playing every weekend. Um, but it's really hard to get that additional, you know, the second lobby of 10 people. Mm. Or it's really hard to have that game go without any crashes at all. Uh, because, you know, all the veterans know, oh, you know, you just do this little trick that we know and you just hit reconnect and everything all of a sudden magically works again. But we don't right. necessarily want to have to explain that to other people. Um, and so our our goal has really just been getting into a stable state where anyone can pick up and play on any weekend. Um, right. And that's not to say we're going to have matchmaking or anytime, uh, anytime soon because that's expensive to put in. But um, really getting to that state where we can be happy uh, with rolling that out. Um, and then two, it's just kind of a marketing, uh, idea that eventually plays into number one. So, um, uh, there's some statistic about starting Kickstarter where you need, I think it's like 40% of your donations in the first 48 hours. Yeah. And so we're looking at raising around a hundred grand. So we need $40,000 in 48 hours. And, you know, you kind of look at that and you're like, well, that, that's scary. Right. That's <laughs> so tough. how that's many, how many people do we need inside our community? Uh, in order to raise forty thousand dollars in forty eight hours, um, mm. and that is kind of the ultimate question of you know when do I feel comfortable that we have enough? And at the same time, right. it, it, it's also the idea of do I really feel comfortable advertising right now when I know the game isn't in a great state? Mm. Um, and so we had you know a thousand people following us back three four years ago, and here we are you know three years later. A lot of those people are gone because we took too long. Yeah, or okay. they didn't see enough progress. And so um, we're just kind of now starting that advertising marketing push of feeling comfortable where I'm like, hey, you know what, if I showed this to your average mobile player, they would pick this up and like it um, and, and be able to retain those people for, for a solid amount of time. Right. Um, so that's a very long winded, complicated answer to the basic question <laughs> of when are you ready? But it, it really no, does have I, a lot going into it. Yeah, I, I don't think, you know, this is something where it's a bit of a messy answer because a lot rides on it. Yeah. It, it would be, it would be silly to think that that was an easy answer because if it was, then you'd probably already have done it. Right. Yeah. And, and for those unaware, um, Kickstarter is all or nothing. You either yep. raise all the money or you raise none of it. Um, mm -hmm. and I've always said about circuits, like we're, I think we're the type of project because, you know, we're pretty ambitious in scope. We're kind of not your typical indie game. Um, I've always said we're either going to smash 100 grand out of the park because we, you know, caught on and people started seeing it, or we're just going to miss it miserably. Um, right. And I'm going to look back at you know five years of my life and be like, well, uh, whoops, <laughs> that was a mistake. <laughs> um, so yeah, there's just a lot going into it in preparation and and wanting to you know seize that one one opportunity um, to actually yeah. get it out of the park when we, when we get a chance. Yeah, no, it's 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 tough because there's there's the whole you kind of have to look at it from different angles that you want to some people push a kickstarter for the idea that we want to get more people like sometimes it's not even just about the money right it's that it's a big advertisement session right. of saying like hey look at our game look what we have it's you know that showcase right whereas other people get too caught up in like oh well I don't want to show this until I have a certain amount of followers. But there's also the argument that, well, you're going to get those followers from the Kickstarter. So it's it's hard because you never know really what's going to pop off and what's not, because it it just takes that one, you know, 
a lot of it is is hard work obviously and the yeah. game has to be good but another big portion of it is really just luck, luck is that absolutely. luck that it catches on yeah and i think that's kind of what i look at as being ready is that are we in a state where i'm increasing my luck chance um in some way shape or form you know am i right. putting myself in a position where if a larger scale content creator saw this would they want to reach out and tell me hey i want to play right. um, or if i start reaching out to streamers and content creators and say hey will you play my game this weekend um i don't want to send them a video and say okay here yeah here's the game and then be like oh like dude i'm yeah, not, I'm yeah, not yeah, playing yeah. that <laughs> um so so it really is just a confidence thing of you know, are we putting ourselves in the best position to succeed and be lucky? Um, but I totally agree with you. I mean, all it takes is one share from the right person. Mm -hmm. uh, and that's it. That, that, that's really all it takes to, to kind of spiral out of control from there yeah. in a good way. Yeah, you never know. Well, uh, first off, I do wish you luck on that. But let's jump to something else I wanted to talk about, which was you mentioned a lot saying things like we. And when I first was introduced to you, uh, I believe it was showcased that you were like the main dev right. on it, or at least like the head of this project, right? Right. But at the same time, I looked at the website and there was uh, mention of <laughs> quite a lot of independent freelancers who are helping out. Basically, uh, at a point where it said over 100 independent freelancers. Yeah. How many people are actually, you know, like like real full time uh, as far as helping you out with the project and as a part of that combined we and how many are just like a one time thing? Because I'm thinking of like, how can you keep up with so many cooks in the kitchen, right, so to speak? Because <laughs> yeah, that no, sounds a good like, question, yeah. yeah, it sounds like a lot of hands to kind of uh, keep in order, so to speak. Yeah, it's a really good question. And, and to just bluntly answer your question, there is no one else. Okay. Um, wow. We have zero other full full time people. I'm not even full time. I have a, a day job. Um, gotcha. We have some people that are kind of consistent contributors. So I, I would say, you know, in the range of four to five people that are, you know, at the very least, you know, maybe ten hours a week. Okay. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. But from the start, I kind of, you know, I'm not going to say invented. I'm sure I'm not the first person to ever do it, uh, mm -hmm. but invented this model of. If I can just convince really, really skilled people to contribute one or two things, I think that's better than getting these people who would work for free or work for this idea of like rev share. Mm -hmm. um, and I can go on a, a year long rant about rev share um, in <laughs> indie development, but essentially the people that you're going to get on a free or rev share basis are, um, you know, they're not the kind of quality, there are exceptions, I'm not trying to insult anyone out there. Mm -hmm. um, they're not the kind of people necessarily that we wanted to hire because kind of our mantra from the start has been we want to blur the line between indie and AAA. Right. Um, so my first goal was like, hey, look, I'm going to pay someone's exorbitant hourly rate. I reached out to a couple ex-rioters, for example, um, and I said, yo, contribute to my project. Um, I'll pay you this just for a couple hours. Um, and so we just kind of slowly started putting all these things together. Um, and that had some pros in, in that like our level right now was done by a couple of guys from Ubisoft and it looks like absolutely beautiful. Mm -hmm. And would, have, would I have been able to get that level done if they were full-time employees for me? No, it would have cost me 10 times uh, what it ended up doing. But that also resulted in I have a lot of stuff that like I haven't used um, because mm -hmm. it is so many cooks in the kitchen. And uh, I spend a lot of time just kind of project managing and putting those things together. Right. Um, but yeah, I, I think we're at like 130 something now. Um, and I think I've sent like 
we got to be nearing a thousand uh, PayPal transactions at this point. <laughs> um, so yeah, I mean, it's all over the place, but at the same time, um, I, I'm really, really happy with the quality of work we've been able to put together. Right. Um, and putting it together has been, been a lot of fun and it's, it's taught us a lot of things along the way. Um, and I've always said that if I had to do it all over again, um, I could probably cut it by about 75%, both cost and time and people. Mm. Um, but I would still absolutely do the same model again. Um, gotcha. just because I think it's more efficient than kind of your traditional full on indie team model. Yeah, that's interesting. Um, and, and how long have you, so from this model perspective, right? Did it always start out at this? How long have you been working on the game and how long has that model been, uh, apparent? Yeah. Um, it, from the very start, um, this is how I looked at it. Um, I, I kind of knew that just kind of every indie team that I saw, um, mm -hmm. you kind of either have some huge backing of, you know, venture capital or, or funding from somewhere. And yep. that allows you to kind of salary people. Um, but if you don't have that backing, you, you can't really do that, um, in my yeah. opinion. And so, um, I basically just beg and plead and, you know, get people to work for way lower than their normal hourly rates because I say, Hey, do you want to earn a little extra income in the evenings? Do you want to earn a little extra income at night? Um, do you want to work on this cool project that, you know, hopefully, you know, you can actually see it come to fruition because it's a lot more exciting to work on a, you know, a MOBA than some tiny indie game, um, you know, that they may work the same hourly rate for. So that's kind of what I focused on. Um, and yeah, from the very start that that's what we've been doing. And I, I honestly think even after Kickstarter, that's probably the way we'll stay, um, kind of avoiding the entire studio model until we're you know, really embedded and, and ready to go from that perspective. Hmm. Has there any been, uh, have there been any concerns with differences in, not to say quality, but I guess having so many different people yeah. and having to try and manage that of piecing things together, right? You have so many different assets that are being created all from different minds with different ideas of what something might look like. How do you set everyone on the same page? <laughs> well, for the first two years, I didn't. Um, <laughs> and I did an absolutely terrible job about this. And kind of the, the first thing that comes to mind is the story I tell that, uh, when we first started making champions, I went around kind of and, and surfed around on ArtStation and just picked out some like really, really cool 3D models that I saw. I was like, man, these would make, you know, badass characters. Um, messaged the owners and said, hey, can I buy this model from you? Can I use it in my game? Mm -hmm. uh, ended up spending like a, I found like four or five, some that I really, really liked. They were like just top notch, like stuff from people in really, really good studios that were just making these models for fun. Um, purchased all those and then tried to put them in game and they all looked like atrocious. I mean, it was <laughs> terrible. Um, and that is when I learned that there is a huge difference between stylized and realistic. And mm -hmm. some people maybe be like, yeah, no duh, dude. <laughs> but I didn't, I didn't fully understand that at the time. Um, and so, yeah, the first two years I just did an absolutely terrible job of that. Um, and it got a lot easier as we had more established things. Um, you know, it was like, Hey, match this style of visual effect. Right. Um, but even then, you know, it, it's really hard. And I know like, uh, like Riot has a, a, like a visual effect guide that, that we reference a lot, um, that kind of everyone sticks to and follows and us never having anything like that, or, you know, a well-defined code architecture has definitely caused us uh, a ton of extra time and money through that. So, mm -hmm. um, the, the model definitely has its downsides and, it, you know, one of my greatest learning experiences is, is being able to 
manage that efficiently. Um, and I think I'm just now getting good at it. <laughs> just now, after five years, I think I'm finally getting good at it. Uh, I mean, it, it sounds like it would always be a tough hill to climb. So yeah. it's uh, it says something that at least you're getting better at it. It takes practice, <laughs> but I can only imagine trying to deal with so many different different people all on one single project. Yeah. Um, let's talk about the actual game. Uh, let's dive a little bit deeper into the actual, like the mechanics stuff about the game, uh, because I, I want for those who are listening just to know a little bit more about this and maybe get interested and possibly want to become part of, you know, those alpha testers or what have you. So for those who know nothing about the game, uh, about the game, excuse me, what's your elevator pitch for circuits and shields? You know, what makes it stand apart from other games? Yeah, I'm, I am working on this now. We're, we're making a pitch deck um, to hopefully present for some, you know, outside funding. Um, and <laughs> it's funny because um, a lot of these games have these elevator pitches um, of like this really neat mechanic. Mm-hmm. It's like, hey, this is the MOBA and we have tag team characters now, uh, which like MXM comes to mind for MOBA fans. Or uh, this is a MOBA, but it's now a third person shooter um, like Paragon or something like that. Right, right. Um, from the very start, um, I really, really wanted to avoid those. Um, they're not necessarily gimmicks, but they're kind of like big time quirks that make it a completely different game in my right. opinion. Um, and so all that being said, this is a terrible elevator pitch, but um, <laughs> my elevator pitch is like, we are the, what I call modern gamers MOBA. Um, hmm. And what I use that term as is MOBAs are old at this point. Like the original yep. MOBA came out like, what, 14 years ago or something crazy like that? Mm-hmm. Um, League of Legends came out like 10 years ago. Dota 2 yeah. came out 10 years ago. Um, these are old games. Um, and while I think they've done a lot to kind of try to keep up with the times, they are still, they're never going to fundamentally alter the game. Um, and so what we focused on from the start was like, okay, what is not modern in these games? Um, and so what we did is, you know, I, I said, I'm so tired of opening up a new MOBA and having to learn an entirely new item shop. It's the most infuriating thing in the world. You're like, well, I feel so behind because I don't know any of these items. I have to learn all these recipes. Right. So why, why does that exist? Okay, well, let's streamline that a ton and kind of make this really easy to use one, two, three, four system that, you know, kind of even a noob can figure out. Um, and then we took things like, hey, I watch, you know, League of Legends esports and yep. 75% of the game is so boring. Like it literally <laughs> just sits there. Um, you just kind of watch things and the casters kind of talk through everything. So we said, okay, how do, how do we fix that? Um, and so we introduced like these idea of what we call blessings, which is kind of like these unlocks um, that happen in the middle of the game, like big time events, like it forces, um, like it puts you all on a platform and you have to 5v5 to kind of like break a stalemate. Um, gotcha. where you can summon like the God of War to come down and attack so that you can kind of push the other team. Um, so we, we really just try to introduce, you know, small things like this um, to kind of push us over the edge of like, we're, we're just better. Um, and I know that's like such a bold claim given, you know, how dominant games like, you know, League of Legends and Dota 2 are, but um, we really think it's just more streamlined. Um, it, it's easier to play. It's more fun to play. There's not dull moments. Right. Um, and that's really just what we focused on from the start. Um, League of Legends has a hundred and I don't know how many champions, 140 at this point. Um, and how <laughs> many of those would they like redesign given the chance? 
Um, yeah. How, you see new champions and how they differ from the old ones. It's like, well, hey, guess what? We get to start from scratch and define our champion roster and how things are going to play from the start. Um, so that is a, that we were on the elevator to the Empire State Building. Um, it's about a five minute <laughs> elevator, but that's that's my elevator pitch that I'm working on cutting down. But um, right, right. that's really all that we focused on is just just making a better MOBA. Okay. All right. I like it. Um, I want to dive into a little bit more around the inspiration of this and kind of why you chose to do a MOBA, right? And I get the idea of take a MOBA. It's a fun game that you enjoy, but it can be better. But I think it is a daunting task. And this is why I'm interested to hear a little bit more about kind of your reasoning of why you ended up pushing for this. I know we've talked a little bit about this, but just to see if there's yeah. anything else. Because when I think of something like a League or a Dota, those are obviously the heavy hitters. Like people know it in in even if you're not a MOBA player, you'll probably know one of those two just because of how massive they are. And I think that that I like I love when other individuals come into a space and try to say like, well, we could do it better or we could do it with a specific gimmick that makes it better or we could do whatever it is, because obviously that it breeds innovation and then it doesn't become the same sure. game over and over again but at the same time it's pretty daunting going up against those heavy hitters you know what more or less did you want to accomplish with circuits and shields in this run as far as you thinking like oh okay we can do this better right like what was that like yeah i mean that's a good question um honestly i'm gonna be real transparent here money um <laughs> okay mobas are really really easy to monetize yeah. Um, we said, hey, you know, here's a chance to to roll out. You know, all we need to do is make champions. Uh, once one map is done, all you need to do is make champions, um, and we can just roll out cosmetics, which are generally cheap to produce, mm -hmm. um, and monetize it early. Um, you know, as soon as you launch an open alpha, and open beta with a store, you can start generating revenue, right? Um, and that's huge, both for you know being able to self sustain, but also outside funding. It's like, hey, I can generate revenue now. I don't have to wait four years. Uh, in closed development to now start generating revenue. Right. Um, so that was honestly like the main draw. Um, but, you know, it's really easy to see like games fail. And, you know, I mentioned like MXM and, and Paragon. It's, it's really easy to see like these juggernaut studios fail at trying this because they, you know, fought the, the juggernaut, the other, the bigger juggernaut. Yeah, the bigger one. Yeah. yeah um, there's always a, a bigger shark or whatever it is. Um, and, that obviously crosses my mind of, well, hey, do you, you're not going to be able to, you know, challenge that. But I think it's, there's also something to be said about kind of this grassroots movement of, mm -hmm. hey, like, we're not trying to reinvent the wheel. Um, uh, to me, like MXM and Paracon, we're trying to reinvent the wheel. And there's a lot of MOBAs that either do absolutely nothing to the wheel, and there's a lot that try to reinvent it. Um, and there's not really a lot that try to just improve the wheel, I guess. Yeah. Um, and, and so... I kind of felt this idea of, hey, let's get this grassroots movement going of what League of Legends used to be. I think people love that idea. They love being part of something, you know, from scratch and being supportive of that development and seeing it grow. You know, early mm -hmm. access is so huge nowadays. Um, and so I really just looked at that opportunity of like, look, once we get, you know, 10 champions in a map, we can start that process of growth. And, you know, obviously we're not going to be challenging valve or riot anytime soon but i think just getting to that stage of hey you know there's a thousand people that love playing our game 
um, I think is all we can really hope for. And, th and that to me gives me like more satisfaction to push on and continue and, and build and improve more than, you know, making an indie game that, you know, you sell a thousand copies, but that's kind of it and, and you're done. Right. So I, I just really like this idea of, you know, being able to build a community and kind of right the wrongs um, that, that I see in, in those juggernauts and, and being able to create that, that environment, you know, that everybody gets to feel part of building, I guess. Yeah. No, I agree with you. I think I talk about this all the time about how important building a community is. Yeah, for and that's Rich coming from an indie podcaster. So yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> uh, building building that community is so important for for indie games, just because it's such a such a niche in a lot of ways. Because there's just so many different indie games out there. Like a lot of people say to us, as far as the the hosts of an indie pod podcast or an indie podcast, indie games podcast. I'm fucking ranting over here. That's <laughs> all good. Uh, basically, they'll say, you know, oh, you're part of that, so you must know every single indie game. And it's like, no, there's no, <laughs> there's no way. You can't, right? Oh, you like indie games? Name every single one. <laughs> Name every single one. Yeah, it's, it's impossible. There's just, there's so much happening, which makes it very hard to get everyone's attention. So it's so vital that, for any of those people that you do get their attention that you retain them. Yeah. And I think that's something that really helps with a MOBA. Um, when I look at like making a game like Diablo two, um, which, you know, ultimate dream as this succeeds. And, you know, when I'm 40 or 50, I get to do that eventually. Um, but I look at that and you kind of think about like, okay, I can make a gameplay slice of Diablo two and launch it to Kickstarter. Um, and people are going to play for, you know, two, three hours and they're going to say, okay, where's the end game. <laughs> right. Yeah. Um, whereas a MOBA, you know, you can say like, uh, I'm at, uh, 274 hours played, uh, of circuits and shields right now. And I can honestly say like, I'm excited to play this weekend because every game is new. Yeah. Um, and it, it's the replayability factor and being able to engage those people of like, okay, what keeps people coming back? Um, we haven't released a new champion in two years. I don't think anybody cares um, <laughs> because we just enjoy like coming in and playing the game over and over and over and over again. So um, yeah, I think that's really what we're going for is just being able to re be replayable and people keep coming back. And I think MOBA is like, maybe Battle Royale is the only other one I can think of that competes with that Right. Um, in terms of, hey, let's play another one, you know, the yeah, classic civilization, one more. one more turn, one more game mm -hmm. type style. Um, and I just think that's that's huge to be able to to lean on as an indie game um, to, to try to generate that kind of interest. Yeah, I, I definitely agree with you. So one of the things that I think also kind of makes that unique and something that I think is very interesting. So say what you will about Heroes of the Storm. I, I know love many it. people. I, okay, I'll, well, I'll I'm glad. I love it. <laughs> I, I know that many people have very divisive comments about it, but I always enjoyed it because there was such variety with each map. Like that was my favorite thing was that every time you played it, you got a randomized map, at least if you weren't playing ranked, then there was a little sure. bit more of, of uh, you know, ruling those out. But like you get a random map, you have characters that are more or less uh, better or worse on certain maps. So there was a bit more of trying to figure out, OK, I'm at this place, I'm going to play this character. And it was a little bit different than just, say, you know, playing into the same right. map every time, the same character. You get into that kind of that rut of like, no matter what, I'm always going to pick xyz yeah whereas with your game 
you also have a little bit of that variety where you have these different maps which have uh, pretty wild uh, arena types. Um, one of them in particular, to me at least, I think seems very interesting. But can you elaborate and tell us a little bit more about these game types and kind of yeah. what uh, each one of them offers? Which one do you find the most interesting? I'll talk about Circuit that. Circuit Ball. Okay, good. That's Hey, thanks for selling this for me. Yeah, um, yeah so Circuit Ball is kind of my love child um, for anybody that played Star Wars The Old Republic. Um, it okay. had this amazing PvP mode called Hutball. Um, and for people that have played it, like you can hear the announcer in your head uh, <laughs> because of how like Hutball was just a masterpiece in my opinion. Um, and essentially what it revolved around was you you grab this ball in the center and you had to carry it to the other side. But given that it's you know typical MMO PvP combat, that's that's never easy. And so you have to like throw the ball and it's like this really cool game of capture the flag and there's like traps everywhere mm -hmm. um and so that's where the idea for circuit ball came in and we said okay we're not going to get anywhere um on kickstarter gain any traction releasing a standard moba map like right. one it's so expensive to make um the league of legends map i don't even want to know how much money they spent making that um but one it's so expensive to make but two like we don't have a meta yet um, we don't know what we can include on that map because we don't like, do we just go, you know, solo top, solo mid and jungle and like every other game does. So we didn't know. Um, so circuit ball came up in this idea of like, Hey, let's make like this really fast, unique 15 to 20 minute game mode that you just get in, have a ton of fun and get out. Like, that's it. Uh, kind of mm -hmm. like yours in the storm. Um, so what it revolves around is there's a, a ball spawns in the middle. Um, and it's five V five and, um, as the game starts, you run out, grab the ball, and you can essentially throw the ball to your teammates. The enemy can intercept the ball. Um, you get kind of unique abilities while you're carrying the ball. So the carrier, you know, can do special stuff. So um, like a lot of times we'll have people pass the ball to their teammate just so the carrier can use like their special carrier abilities and mm. then throw the ball back. Um, so it's just like this really dynamic, um, and I'll say it again, like every game is different because... Um, you never know how someone's going to score. We have one guy um, who's been at almost every test. He's just like, he only plays for the ball. Um, and so no matter who's around him, there can be a guy like two HP next to him. He'll just run for the ball anyway. Um, and so we've just like had a ton of fun really balancing this idea of like, who goes for the ball? Who goes for kills? Um, are we incentivizing kills? Are we incentivizing just going for the ball? Like how easy is it to score? How hard is it to score? Do you need to kill to score? Um, and it's just all these different things that really play into the game mode. Um, and I'm not going to lie. It really sucked at first. Um, it was not fun. Like we could not figure out how to carry the ball. We couldn't figure out how to pass the ball. Um, and we've gone through, I'm not even joking, probably 30 to 40 iterations of like throwing and carrying the ball. Right. Um, and it's, it's just awesome right now. Um, so, uh, I love Circuit Ball. I think it's going to be like a really big mode going for us, going forward for us. Um, but we do plan on kind of eventually rolling out this standard map. Um, not necessarily like in a HOTS way of, hey, we're rolling out 10 different maps. Right. Um, but in a way that says, hey, this is a standard map, but we have really, really cool objectives on it. So it's not just, hey, let's kill Roshan, let's kill Baron Nasher every 10 minutes or whatever it is. Mm -hmm. um, it's this idea of like capture points and king of the hills and and active swapping. Um, and one of the cool ideas we had for this, um, while I'm going on my rant here, was kind of this idea of environmental drafting, in which 
not only are you drafting your champions at the start of the game, you're also drafting the map. Um, So the map has variable pieces. So Mm. you can get, you know, a blacksmith on your team's map side and gain access to that. But then the other team is drafting a ballista or something crazy on their side, which kind of offsets. And so it's like, I can draft my team comp around poke, which environmental thing do I need to draft here? Which we think will just be really, really cool and competitive because it really changes and shifts the map around of, okay, now I'm going to shift my strategy from focusing bot side to top side because it has XYZ environmental thing in there. So it's really stuff like that that we want to focus on to just make these things really cool. Um, And and Circuit Ball kind of has those built in, but that's kind of our idea for for the standard map. Right. Wow. That is um, much more interesting because I did. I wanted to talk about that because there was yeah. a quote in there about having uh, changed PVE mechanics that go beyond just having you know neutral monsters in a jungle. I love the idea of drafting the map. I think that's such a a different way of doing it. Um, it kind of goes hand in hand with what I'm going to ask, which is more leaning towards circuit ball. But really, it's like, how do you go about balancing all of this? Because I think <laughs> that this is a very it's easy to say, right? It's easy to say, oh, we want to just be able to move the map around or we want to have whatever, you know, have you be able to play this rugby-esque game in the middle of a MOBA, right? But yeah. I, I can see that this would be uh, a big challenge. You mentioned, you know, 30, 40 iterations. Like, obviously, there's a lot of work that goes into it. You know, what was the process like? Uh, or at least how has it been so far when it comes to balancing? How do you go about this? What what screams at at this point where you're you're 40 iterations in where you finally say, okay, it's clicked. Like what is it about it now that that has made it? Yeah. Um I mean it's it's a really interesting question because one thing that I love about like doing a MOBA is it's really easy to pop open League of Legends or Dota and say, hey, how'd they do this? Right. Um, and say, okay, cool. We'll do it that way too. Um, but with Circuit Ball, we obviously couldn't do that. And we kind of could look at SWOTOR, uh, Star Wars, The Old Republic. Yep. Um, and, and look how they did that. But it's not the same game type at all. That's an MMO versus, you know, a top down MOBA. So um, <laughs> honestly, the iteration process was, it's dirty. Um, <laughs> I, I reached out to a couple of guys um, and said, hey, draw me like what you would picture in terms of like a ball capture capture the flag type map right. um, and we went through a couple iterations on that uh, and then we prototyped it in unreal engine um, and kind of made the map from there um, but even like the map itself is kind of on like probably iteration 10 or so in terms of like functionally changing shape um and then when it comes to balance we are so terrible at it i think it's kind of a, a meme in our discord of like people saying nerf x champion just over and over and over again um, <laughs> but everybody at this point is like said a different champion um I, it's funny i've tried to hire for like a game design position so many times and i've just never had luck so honestly it's been throwing numbers at walls until they stick um and it's just right. good. um and the iterations through circuit ball have always just been like does this feel fun like the, does this feel right mm-hmm. does this feel streamlined is this easy to understand and easy to play um, and they're really like, honestly, there hasn't been a good process to it. There, there really hasn't. We just try it over and over and over again until it works. Right. Um, and that gets really messy sometimes. Um, and I'll bring up, uh, about a year ago, um, we were having kind of lag and FPS issues and we had architected our own skill system. 
um, like inside Unreal, not like our own skills, um, but like we built our own code to support our skill system. Okay. And we realized now that was maybe a bad idea. We should have used something already existing. Uh, but basically I said, okay, we're having way too many problems. Something feels wrong here. This feels slow. This feels unresponsive. We got to make a change. Um, and so we did this huge, we basically scrapped all our code and started over um, wow. and just copied over some of the pieces um, onto Unreal's system, which is gameplay ability system. It's what like uh, Fortnite uses, um, mm -hmm. Aragon used it, things like that. Um, we made that swap and about three months in, um, we made like a before and after GIF, GIF, whatever, whatever you want to call it. Um, right. And it is like hilarious to see like, uh, we did one full combo with one of the champions and it went from, I think like 10 and a half seconds to four. Wow. Um, and you look at the GIF and you're like, we played on that. Like we thought, we thought this was okay. Like we, <laughs> we honestly thought this was good. Um, and so it, it's, it's uh, long story short, it, it's a good question. And I don't have a great answer on how to iterate and yeah. balance through things because you kind of never know until you see the sunnier side of right. uh, uh, it feeling better. So, um, it's been a ride for sure. <laughs> That's funny. Yeah. I, so it, it goes into one of my questions because you mentioned that one of the things about, does it feel right? Or does it click was, is it intuitive or is it, is it easy to, to pick up? And I think that's that's tough, especially at the point you're at now, because you have a much smaller audience who is very dedicated, which is great, yeah, right? Sure. But they're all in that ecosystem, right? Are there any efforts at this point where you're trying to reach out to people who might not have as much experience? Like I'm thinking of either someone who hasn't played Circuits and Shields before, or maybe someone who hasn't even played a MOBA before. Like, yeah. are you considering any of those individuals at this stage of the game? Yeah, absolutely. This is this is a really cool question. And this is something that probably the reason that I love Heroes of the Storm. Um, I think there was no better game to literally just like open up with your friends and like honestly like just get drunk and play for a couple hours because right. it was just so it was responsive it was fast it was streamlined you didn't have to think about anything it was just fun yeah um and so while i think they went a little too casual on the heroes yeah, of the storm yeah. side uh, what we've always aimed for and what my personal goal with circuits has always been has been what is the middle ground between league of legends and heroes of the storm okay um, mm -hmm. i think dota 2 is way too complicated um, i know some people may disagree with that um but i have a this firm belief that you'll never change my mind about <laughs> that if dota 2 didn't spawn from dota no one would really like dota 2 uh people kind of only play it because they understood it to begin with right um so new player getting new players into dota 2 is impossible um getting new players in the league to me would be impossible if all their friends weren't already playing it yeah. Um, and so we've really focused on this idea of like this on ramp uh, for new players. Um, and, and so like I mentioned about like the item shop and everything, we want people to be able to just kind of on ramp into the item shop and do well. Um, and I think Circuit Ball helps so much with this because beyond like these outplays and these mechanical like, oh, this guy's so good, he's doing so much damage. You can always just grab the ball and run to the other side. And you can always pass. Um, and for example, like in Circuit Ball, like I am not the most mechanical player. I'm getting old. I'm like 31 now. Like my hands just don't work the way they used to. Right. Um, but I am really, really good at like 
seeing positions and passing. Um, and so like, you'll see in some of like our videos, like I'll see people out of nowhere and like bounce a ball off a wall or an obstacle and it'll bounce right to them and we score. And it's like, look, man, I, I'm not even good at this game. I'm just good at like map, seeing yep. the map. Um, so yeah, I mean, I would totally encourage anyone like, look, if you don't like League of Legends or if you don't like Dota 2, you're like scared to get into a new game. Like that has been such our huge focus. And this idea of like, someone comes in an alpha test with us, we don't want them to feel overwhelmed with the fact that they're playing with, you know, nine other guys that have 200 hours played. Um, we want them to say like, wow, that was interesting. I, I picked up and played that. I felt successful the very first time that I played. Um, and I think that we've done like a really awesome job about that. And we're really seeing that in uh, our testing now with people that come in and test once and then we see him again next week um, because that has not always been the case. <laughs> I think we've given out like 500 alpha keys and like 480 of those people we will never see again because they played once and they were like, ah, this sucks. So um, it's changing now. Um, right. That that feels so good to see the same people like I'm ready to play again. So I, I think we've done a really good job of, like I said, really hitting that middle ground between Heroes of the Storm and League of Legends and, and having that on ramp for people. That's awesome. Yeah, and, and one more thing, because I'm going to keep ranting here. No, go um, for it. It helps a lot with Circuit Ball, too, because you have people um, who play, like, Rocket League um, or kind of these sports games uh, or, like, right. people that play Ultimate Frisbee in real life. Um, it's really easy to make this comparison of, like, okay, you really like Rocket League? Okay, this is just kind of Rocket League, but now we threw in some MOBA with it. <laughs> Granted, <laughs> we're probably, like, 90% MOBA, 10% Rocket League, but... Um, right. I think just being able to tie in those other game modes it, or, or games into the game mode um, I think really gives people, you know, an intro uh, or, or the desire to intro at least. Right. It also makes it more accessible because like accessible. I said, that's the word I was looking for. Yeah. Yeah. It's it's this it's this rugby or this football type looking yep. game, right? People can associate that even if they don't know a MOBA, they could look at this and be like, oh, okay, I could. Yeah, it's just a ball. I could do this. <laughs> yep. No, it, it does make sense. Um, I do want to wrap this up with a couple of last questions. Yeah. One, I just want to talk about the lore of this world because I think it's very interesting. It's also kind of a, a large mix-up, and I think maybe this might have been uh, due to possibly the fact that there's so many different people, like independent creators, that have helped out with this. Maybe not. But uh, the world is interesting because there is a very strange mashup of characters <laughs> going from you know totally normal on the human side of just like hey i'm just a guy right to all the way to the this very anthropomorphic dog and, oh, you're and talking other... about, that's my dog that's that's max is my dog I'll, I'll i'll uh we post pictures every now and then in discord so it's literally my dog <laughs> <laughs> to all the way to what seems like an alien-esque janitor I, I don't know maybe it's just a wearing a mask like very well, strange creatures in this world so tell me a little bit about the lore kind of how do all these characters yeah. uh mash up uh so i'll start with janitor because he's kind of everyone's favorite character um and if anyone's ever watched scrubs the whole dr yanny tour yeah um, is where that came from uh <laughs> but i just I, I just woke up one day with this idea of like how funny would it be like to have this thing in the game of a guy that like cleans up the bodies from the bot from the battlefield um and i was like no wait that's actually a genius idea like he's gonna use a broom he's gonna clean things that's amazing mm -hmm. um so the way the world started, and this is kind of, it's actually not a conglomeration. It's just this wacky, just because I want it to be that way. Okay. Um, was I've always been in love with the Matrix and this idea of like plugging in um, and, and going to another world. And so it started with this idea that like, 
okay, we have regular humans going to this other world, um, but through this kind of plug-in system, they augment their abilities to be something crazy. Hmm. Um, so like, for example, we have like a magician character who's going to start doing like real magic as soon as he gets to the new world type of thing. Right. Um, and what that tied into is I've always also wanted to do something with, you know, a utopian paradise. And I, I love like cheesy mythology, not cheesy mythology, but like cool sci-fi mythology type stuff. Right. Um, and so what came to mind is like this idea of like, okay, there's all these people, there's these different races going into this new utopia with the gods. How can I structure that in a way that lets me do literally anything that I want? <laughs> um, right. And that's how we get this idea of like, okay, there's humans, there's robots, there's uh, like animal like characters. Um, and while it sounds like super messy in theory, um, the, the basic idea is that all of these races have a reason to be there. Um, and that is to take like the next evolution in their species. Um, huh. So for example, like the robots are like, they cannot get past like this certain line of code. Like they feel like they're maximized on their evolution and they think that coming to this world, like will help solve that. And it's things like that, um, that everyone kind of has their different motivations. Um, and so like janitor, for example, is, is a robot, but he's so obsessed with cleaning that it becomes like an actual problem. And so they think that like, oh, these obsessions can be fixed through this world. Um, and so, yeah, I mean, there's there's like a million things uh, going into the world. Uh, and I honestly think like our backstories are really, really cool. Um, like Yanitor is probably not even our most interesting character, but the, the backstories, I would really encourage people to go check them out. But um, what we have planned for the world is like huge in scale. Um, like there's way more reasons for them to be here. There's way more backstories about um, like the, the gods of the world and, and the world itself. Um, so I'm super excited to tell that story. Like it, it's to the point where I'm like, we can go make an RPG after this because I think this is such a cool story and world. Um, and I, and I hope people get as excited as I do about it. Cause, uh, I think it's awesome, <laughs> but maybe that's <laughs> bias. I don't know. I don't know, but I'm, I love the passion though. I mean, passion breeds yeah. interesting stories. I'm sure there will be something that a lot of people can love. Um, let's go to kind of the, the fact that you mentioned that you were going to have a Kickstarter and I know that's kind of been in the works for a while, right? But let's say, uh, things go well, the Kickstarter gets funded, whatever it might be for, um, do you have an ETA at all of when you'd like to get something out as far as that early access point? I know probably the, the, uh, short answer would have been three years ago, but like <laughs> that's exactly some, what I was gonna say. <laughs> right, but something something a bit more obtainable in in you know the current whether that be present or future time. Yeah. Um. So one of the things we focused on from the start is when we get funding, we're gonna be ready to launch. Like lo launch, take off maybe is a better not launch. Right, um, right. Where our base architecture is so solid that all we need to do is bolt on. You know, add a new champion, add a new map. Um, add new items type of thing. Mm -hmm. um, so theoretically, when we get funded, you know, we have to roll out this client matchmaking, which is kind of a pain, but um, streamlined nowadays um, because of, you know, cloud providers and things like that. Yep. Um, so my estimates put me around like a year to a year and a half after we, we get funding um, to really be in a state where it's like, okay, floodgates are open. Anyone can log in and play. Um, now that said, I don't want to turn anyone listening off to like, oh, I would have to wait a year, year and a half to play this game. Um, we test 
every weekend at the minimum, we'll start testing uh, a lot more. You can yep. play pretty much. You send an alpha application in, uh, and if you can spell your name right, we pretty much accept you, um, <laughs> and you get to play. Right. Um, and we're hosting a tournament pretty soon. This is the first time I publicly announced this, but um, we're going to be hosting a tournament soon with like a cash prize and everything. So um, right, cool. while we're not launched, um, we are in closed alpha and we plan to like play pretty heavily up until that. It's not kind of a, we need to be done before we can do anything. So right. um, you can play now, but the full launch is, is likely probably a year to a year and a half uh, okay. after Kickstarter. Right. Very good. Very good. Okay. Well, that's awesome. Um, and then the, the last thing that I want to talk about is something that we close out the episodes with every time we we talk with a guest, which is just, I love to hear advice from those that are in this space. Um, so people yeah. who are, you know, working on their own game, people who have their own company, wherever they're a part of in this industry, you know, obviously I'm sure you've learned a lot. It's It's been a journey as you've mentioned already, but you know, uh, looking back on it, um, if I guess not, if you could do it differently, but I guess if you wanted to say, give yourself some parting words before you started this journey, you know, is there anything that you think got you through this that made it easier or anything that you think you shouldn't have done kind of what, what would you give a younger you? Yeah. Uh, that's a good question. I, I think there's two things really, um, and I'll, I'll keep it kind of brief here. Um, one is um, actually document out what you want to do um, and put together all the ideas in one and really take more of a, you know, a focus on stopping before you start. Um, I am like the most agile uh, person in the world for those um, who know like business methodologies and things like that, agile versus waterfall. Right. Um, I am do everything on the fly by the seat of your pants. We'll figure it out as we get there. Mm -hmm. um, I really wish I didn't do that. <laughs> I really, really wish I didn't do that. Um, so yeah, I think that that's the main thing I would impart. Like, uh, it sounds cheesy, but like actually make your game design document, actually write down how you envision like architecture and things going uh, on how things are going to play out. Um, and then two, not everything has to be perfect. Uh, yeah. I think what I did uh, when I first started is like I would, our first iteration of the circuit ball map, for example, I spent a ton of extra money on making that perfect. Um, I was like, you need to do this, you need to do this, you need to do this, this needs to look this way. Um, and then I realized, you know, six months later that it was horrendously ugly and we basically had to restart anyway. Um, <laughs> so I really cannot recommend enough this idea of like a minimum viable product of like get things working. Um, because we have like these beautiful characters in this beautiful environment. And, uh, the thing that we're troubleshooting this week is the load screen. Like, <laughs> why do we have all these perfect things if we can't even get the load screen to function properly? Right. Um, so really just take your time and like, don't worry about how nice it looks and everything, get everything working perfectly, uh, not perfectly, but working, um, and, and stable, uh, and then move forward from there. I, I really think that's the, that's the way to go in terms of indie dev nowadays. Yeah, I think it makes sense. So for those listening, Circuits and Shields is currently in development, but if any of this sounded interesting, be sure to head over to their Discord, maybe sign up to be an alpha tester, and of course, keep an eye out for their Kickstarter campaign, which should be going live hopefully sometime soon, but we'll have to, uh, we'll have to stay to patient. Um, once again, thank you so much for joining. Yeah, thanks for having me. It's been a, it's been a great conversation. I appreciate you guys uh, letting me on here. 
of course. Thanks for joining. All right. Take care.